Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. I'm very excited today to kick off this series, Squads the Night, that we're talking about Christmas. And I want to go to a text that I use every year if I'm speaking about Christmas because it really sums up the story in a very brief text. Go with me to get your notes out, Luke chapter 1. We're going to go very, very quick today. If you're new, don't worry. I'm short-winded. Pastor Brad's long-winded. We're going to get you right out of here. Amen. That's a lie on Sunday. All right. But we're going to stay in the time frame, okay? Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm that highly favored this morning. Amen? Come on. How many's glad the Lord is with you and you're favored of the Lord today? Amen? Blessed are you among women, the angel said. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end, and we're celebrating in that kingdom today. And so I love this passage of Scripture. To me, it just really presents the Christmas atmosphere immediately. And today I want to talk to you about Twas the Night. We're talking about the Christmas series. But the greatest thing about Christmas was the spirit of anticipation when we were kids, right? When we're adults, we're thinking about paying the bill for that anticipation when it's over. But as children, how many remember waking up, man, on Christmas to Santa come to Santa come, and, and we know that we made the request, we gave the list, we tried to be more nice than we were naughty, we think there's something for us under the tree, we're pretty sure, and we open that box just really believing that mom and dad got the hint, and it's there for us. It was a spirit of anticipation. I love Steve Harvey, I love his comedy, and uh, right immediately after he accepted Christ, he was uh, doing a, a show at T.D. Jake's church. And he said his dream, he, he's introduced people from all over the world, and he said his dream was to one day introduce Jesus, and so here's Steve Harvey introducing Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 
arms, hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the prince of peace. Get up on your feet. Put your I love it. I love it. And this is the anticipation because the angel told Mary, you're going to have a son. She was a virgin, but you're about to have a son. You, you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to bring forth this son. You're going to call his name Jesus, and he shall be great. What God was saying to Mary and to us today was get ready. Get ready, get ready, because that that you've anticipated is about to come. He was saying to them that the excitement, the hope is there. Your Messiah is coming, Mary. Your Redeemer is coming, church. Your healer is about to come on the scene. Your provider, your advocate, the king of all kings is about to be here. And he was creating through this statement, he shall be great, that there was an anticipation he was trying to build within us today that 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 we've been looking for is coming. But I want to say to you today as your pastor and the overseer of this church that it's no longer a prophetic statement. When that statement was made by the angel to Mary, it was in a prophetic sense that what's about to come. But I want to say it's no longer prophetic, it's present tense. It's no longer he shall be, but I want to declare today that Jesus is great. You see, in heaven, he had no mother. On earth, he had no father. He's older than his mother and just as old as his father. Nobody can claim that but Jesus. In the incarnation, Jesus became man, but he never stopped being God. You see, as a man, he went to a wedding, but as God, he turned water into wine. As a man, he took a little boy's lunch of two fish and five loaves, but as God, he blessed it and broke it and fed 5,000 men plus women and children, estimated 20,000 people. As a man, he fell asleep in Peter's boat from sheer exhaustion. But as God, they awoke him, and he went on the bow of that ship and spoke to that storm, and immediately peace came, and the waters would make calm. As a man, he stood by the grave of a relative called Lazarus and weeps in his death. But as God, he turned and spoke to that same grave and turned death in reverse, and Lazarus come forth in his bedclothes, alive and a living man. As a man, we saw him as sin, but as God, we see him coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. He was great in his manhood, but he's even greater in his God, as likeness of God, the Son of God. And today, it's not he shall be, but today I declare he is great. He's great. You see, it took man 50 chapters in this book to describe to us how they built the tabernacle but it only put this God five words to put the sun, moon, and stars in space. Hanging above you and I today is 54 trillion, 560 billion tons of water. 
It arrived there one day because when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was nothing but a mass of water. But he had to create an atmosphere that would eventually protect the earth from the sun's rays. And so one day God said, water leave water, and 54 tree and 560 billion tons of water left the earth and rose up and is hanging in the sky today. Water is 773 times the weight of air. And hanging above us today is 54 tree and 560 billion tons of water. That is 773 times the weight of the air is hanging above and is sitting up there today at nothing but the voice of God. I think he can take care of you and I. He's great today when we begin to see and understand the majestic of God and just how great he is. I went through the scripture and I've loved doing this and I, I just went through the scripture and found various titles of Jesus and I call them the ABCs of Christ. And here's what I found as we heard the song, what a wonderful name it is, what a wonderful name it is. Let me give you some of the names of Jesus mentioned in the Bible. He's my advocate, the almighty, the alpha, the omega. He's the arm of the Lord, the author and finisher of my faith. He's the author and eternal salvation. He's called the beloved son, the branch, the bread of life, the captain of salvation. He's the chief shepherd, the Christ of God, the consolation of Israel, the cornerstone, the counselor, and my creator. He's the day spring deliverer, desire of all nations. He's the door, the elect of God, the everlasting father. He's the faithful witness, the first and the last, the first begotten, the forerunner. He's called the glory of the Lord, God, good shepherd, governor, and great high priest. He's the head of the church, the heir of all things, the holy child. He's called the holy one of God, the holy one of Israel, the horn of salvation. He's known as the great I am, the image of God, Emmanuel. He's Jehovah Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, judge of Israel. He's the just one, the king of kings of ages. He's the king of the Jews, the king of the saints. He's the lawgiver, the lamb, the lamb of God, the leader, the life, the light of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Lord of all, Lord of glory, Lord of lords, Lord of righteousness. He's the man of sorrows, the mediator, the messenger of the covenant, the Messiah, the mighty God, the mighty one, the morning star. He's called the Nazarene. He's the only begotten. He's our Passover, Prince of Kings, Prince of Life, Prince of Peace, the prophet, the redeemer, the resurrection of life. He's called the rock, the root of David, the rose of Sharon, my savior. He's called the shepherd and bishop of my soul, the son of the blessed, the son of David, son of God, son of the highest, son of man, and son of righteousness. He's called the triumphant one. He's called the true light, the true vine, the truth, the witness, the word. And he's called the word of God. And that's the Jesus that you and I come to celebrate today. And today I want you to take about 30 seconds. And I want us to give thanks and praise and acknowledge the Jesus that was prophesied, declared, that was coming. He's here and he's real and he's very much alive today. Yes, he is. You see, no matter where you see Jesus, he was great. When you saw him amongst the children, he was great. When the religious leaders tried to pull the children away from Jesus, he stopped them and said, no, nah, you, don't, you don't touch them. He said, you allow them to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. Then unless you come as a child, you can't come at all. He was great among the children. He was great among the outcasts, the poor, the broken, the needy. When Jesus declared, I did not come for those that have no need of a physician, but I came for the sick, the broken, the hurting, and the poor. He was great when you saw him with the wounded, great when you saw him with the hurting. No matter where you see Jesus, he was great. 
He was great in his life, but he was equally great in his death. For we see Jesus, he's nailed between two thieves on a cross, and they were guilty of their crime, but he was innocent. One mocked Jesus on the side and said, hey, if you're the son of God, save yourself and save us also. But the one on the other side, he acknowledged that Jesus was the son of God, and he recognized him, and he made a cry out to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, I deserve being here. You don't. But will you do me a favor? Will you just remember me when you come into your kingdom? That thief had no idea what he was saying because the scriptures had already declared if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And when he called Jesus, he called out to that Lord that would become a savior, but he didn't realize what he said. When he said, remember me, the opposite of remember is dismember. And what he literally asked Jesus was this. He said, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom today, will you remember me? In the thief's mind, all he was thinking was, will you just have a thought of me? Will you just remember me? But Jesus never forgot what he came for. And even in agony and even in his death he heard the cry of a broken and desperate man will you remember me and in Jesus mind it wasn't just think about you it was I'm going to remember I'm going to put back together what's been dismembered in your life I've come with a purpose I've come with a reason and today you are going to be with me in paradise not broken not hurting not lost but I came with a purpose and even in his death He was great because he never forgot what he came for. He's great. He's great. And so when I look at this Jesus and I come to the end of 218, I'm preaching, aren't I? I need to calm down. Oh, just breathe, just breathe. Just breathe, just breathe. But when I come to the end of 218, this has been a different year. How many has it been a different year for you? There's been some unexpected stuff in 218. Am I right about it? Not all bad. It's been a good year. It's been a good year, 218. There's been some struggles, but never let the negative outweigh the positive of what God has already done in your life. But as we go into 219, and and Pastor Brad asked me to kick this series off, I want to just bring to you five certainties that we find in this person called Jesus that I want you to have anticipation over this year that I want you to see them as a gift in a box that you're going to open at this time of the year and you're going to walk into 219 with a different mindset because you see your attitude determines your altitude. And as a man thinks, so is he. And if I think 219 is going to be a year of struggle, it's going to be one. If I think 219 is going to be a year of marriage issues and crisis, guess what you're going to have? But if I go into 219 with an understanding of the promises of God's word in my life, the gifts that we're going to talk about today, there's five gifts that I want you to have an anticipation of opening this year that God's going to bring into your life. Let's go through them real quick. Get your notes out. Number one is that God has given us a sure promise, a gift of a sure promise. I love the scripture in 1 Kings 8, 56. It says, blessed be the Lord that has given rest Come on, how many could use some rest, mental rest, physical rest, emotional rest? I preached a message years ago, a series that I called Rest Before Rule, because you will never rule an area of your life that you don't first find rest in. What does that mean? I'm not in charge of it anymore. I've handed it to God. 
I'm letting God take care of my marriage. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm letting God take care of my I'm going to do. I'm going to work hard, but God's going to provide for me what I need. I, I, I'm resting in it and letting God's word perform what he said he would do. He said, blessed are the Lord that has given rest unto his people Israel according to all he, say it with me, promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promises. How many here has had some people let you down? How many's had some people make promises to you that they did not keep? I've had many hands go up. How many can raise a hand and say, God made me a promise and he didn't keep it? I can't do it. I can tell you he hasn't answered every way I ask him to because I've had some amazing suggestions for God. <laughs> really good ones. And he's done me like he did Job. You know, he sticks his head through the clouds of heaven and clears his throat and goes, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? I think I see a little further than you can. And we've got to come, and I want to encourage you today. I want you to leave here today encouraged, but I also want you to leave here today with a spirit of anticipation of what you're going to see God do in this coming year. Number one is a sure promise. It said that there has not failed one word of all of God's good promises. You see, man operates on contracts. We have written contracts. You need a contract when you don't trust the other party. You don't trust their words, so you put it in writing. God does not operate in contracts. He operates in covenants because his word is good enough that you can trust because he's never violated his word. And so we are under a covenant agreement with a God of heaven today that he's going to keep his promises that he has made to us. You see, I, I earlier said, I wasn't going to say this today, but when Pastor Brad started talking about Jabin, and Jabin was my grandson. He was my only grandson. I've got amazing granddaughters. They're, they're amazing. They're my life as Jabin was. And, and, you know, you put up with your children and you love your grandchildren. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, but I really get to love all of them. They're great. But, man, Jabin was my life for three and a half years when he was in his sickness, and, and I was one of his main caregivers, so I spent multiple days and hours a week with Jabin, and, and he and I had this bond together. As soon as I walked in, I could say, I'd say, hey, man, hey, Jay, and that big old smile would come up, and we spent hours, we spent nights and days together, and Jay was going to be my hunting buddy. He was going to be my baseball player. I played baseball for 14 years. I was a catcher, and my dream was for my son to become a catcher and play baseball, and he did for a few years and then he got this crazy idea that he wanted to play hockey which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever hockey in Florida that just makes no sense and so he quit baseball to play hockey I went through three years of withdrawal and uh, went to his games he said dad learned the game I got don't want to I don't like hockey and so he bailed on me in baseball and my dream was to have my grandson play baseball, and he was going to catch whether he wanted to or not. I already had him everything, you know. And before he was born, he had a four-wheeler, a rifle, camo, boots, glove, ball, his camo and his, boot, uh, and his glove and all on a wall that we have for Jabin in my home today. And, and, uh, but, man, it, it was like when Jabin left us, part of me left us. You know, it's like part of you goes with him, you know, and it was tough. And I'll never forget the, the funeral home allowed me to have an hour or two with Jabin along the night before Jabin's funeral that we had right here. And, and I wanted some time alone with Jabin, and I went and just spent the time with him in that room. And I remember, and then I did the same thing at the, the service here. When Jabin was laying up here, I knelt down at the casket, and I said this to Jay. I said, Jay, I said, the only way we can do this now, bro, is you got to come to Pop on Dreams. you got to come and talk to me. you got to come visit me. i got to know you're okay, Jay. You can't just leave me and leave me here. you got to come and talk to me, Jay. 
because I really believed God was going to heal him. I really, really did. And he did in his own way because Jay's not suffering anymore. But I, I told him, I said, Jay, you got to come visit Papa on Dreams. And, and, and I, only Kathy and Brad knew this until today. And, and, I, and I, the next night, that night, he didn't wait a day. And I'm not one of these dreamers. I have a lot of dreams. You know, I eat pizza and have nightmares at night, but not a lot of dreams. But, but Jabin, man, I, I had this, the very first night I'm in bed, I, I had this dream, and they, I was at a ball field, and there was these little boys throwing ball. And I walked up, and all of a sudden, one of them turned and started running toward me, and I was questioning, is that Jay? Could that be Jay? You know, and they were laughing and playing, and he got closer and closer. And if you knew Jay and you got close to Jay, he was never able to walk the last three and a half years of his life, but he had thighs that looked like an athlete. I mean, this dude had thighs that were like humongous thighs, just like he lifted weights, you know. And, and I saw this little kid running, and I'm thinking, is this Jay? Is this Jay? And he got closer and closer, and I couldn't see his face, but I saw them thighs and those shorts and those tennis shoes. And I said, that's Jay. There ain't another kid like in the world got thighs like that. And my heart was so full, and I was anticipating him getting closer and closer. And I'm already crying, and he wasn't even there. And he ran up, and he grabbed me by my leg, and he looked up at me, and them little curls coming out from under his hat. And he said, hey, Papa. And he never said another word, and he turned around and ran back and started throwing ball with those kids. And, and my immediate thing was, why did you leave me? And then I thought, no, he's finally getting to do what he's been wanting to do and couldn't do it. And I said, go throw the ball, Jay. Papa, I'll be throwing that ball with you soon. And I'm saying that to say, in my heart, I grieve the loss of my grandson, but in my spirit and in my heart, I have a promise that there's one day coming that I will throw ball with my grandson again. And I have a promise today that he's not laying in a casket somewhere under the ground. He's in heaven running the streets, throwing the ball, fishing with my father. He's up there hunting with Danny Wilbanks. He's up there today enjoying life because God gave us a promise. It doesn't end here. And I have a surety today. It gives me an anticipation that I'm going to be faithful the days I really don't even feel like it because I'm not giving up my chance of receiving that promise that I get to play ball with my grandson one day. And God's given you promises today, and I want to challenge you to live your life with anticipation of watching those promises be fulfilled. Number two, and I've got to hurry. I spent way too long right there. No, it's all right. I'm glad I did. Thank you, though. Number two, there's a sure foundation you have an anticipation that you're built, your life's built. When you come to Christ, you have a sure foundation. The prophet Isaiah said, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Look at your neighbor and say, sure foundation. He that believes shall not make haste. How many's found out your political party's not going to give it to you? I mean, he's found out religion has proven not to be that sure. It's not going to bring you through your troubles. How many's found out even relationships are brittle? They're not guaranteed. I only have one sure foundation that I know I can wake up every morning and it's going to be as solid as it was when I went to bed that night. And that's the foundation of my faith. 
in a person called Jesus Christ that has stood faithful to every promise that he's made and given, and he's going to stand faithful to them today. I have a foundation that I can wake up and know and anticipate that today's the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it that I am highly favored and blessed of the Lord, that he says he saw me before he created me in the wombs of my mother. He has all intentions to bless me and honor me, not to bring from, take from me, but to give to me as his son. I have a foundation today that says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but my weapons are carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of the stronghold. I have a foundation that declares to me today that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I have a foundation today that says no matter what the doctor's report declares, uh, that he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity, the chastisement of my peace was placed upon him, but by his stripes I am healed. I have a foundation today that declares he's a comforter and a friend in my time of loneliness and trouble. You have a foundation today that is unmovable. And the Bible said when you put your faith in that foundation, you become a tree planted by the water and your roots run deep and you shall not be moved. And I challenge you today, let 219 be a year that you get off the roller coaster ride of life and get out of your up and down. Come on, anybody besides me had those? Like this week, oh, I'm in so in love with Jesus. By Friday, I'm like, I don't even know if Jesus exists. Now, you got to get off that roller coaster ride and know that the days you feel him and the days you don't, his promises are still just as real because your foundation is solid. Number three, he's given us the assured gift of love. Romans 8, 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come, hide or death or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage some of you today because you've been through some hurt. You've been through some pain. And today you just need to feel loved. You just need to feel the love of God, the love of a heavenly father. And I want to challenge you today to go. Don't wait till 219. Start in December of 218. Start moving into 219, understanding that Jesus loves you. I love Chris Hodges' analogy. He said, he loves you so much that if heaven had refrigerators, your picture would be on it. That's how much he really loves us. And it's hard for us to fathom that kind of love because we live in a society that is so unlovable. So full of hate, so full of bitterness, so full of of wickedness, it's hard for us to grasp the true purity of love. But Jesus loves us with that kind of love that asks for nothing back. It just wants to give to us. And today I want to challenge you to walk into this new year knowing that you're loved. Some of you have been so violated and so hurt by people that it's hard to grasp that a God can love you like that. Everybody look at me for one second. I haven't looked at me like 20 times in the first service, so you only have to do one. But I want you to look at me because some of you are looking for love in the wrong places. You're trying to look for acceptance from people, and you will never be able to receive the love of another human being until you first accept and receive the love of a heavenly father. You will never be able to. You'll receive lust, and they will use you. They'll abuse you. And they'll throw you away like they have the other 30 before you. But when you find love, you'll know because you found the love of a heavenly father. And you will never be able to love another person until you understand and accept the love that God has for you first. That's good preaching right there. It really, really is. And I'm challenging some of you to open the gift. 
Because the gift is only good if you open it. God loves you today. Number four, we have the gift of a sure anchor. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters into that within the veil. I love this song, the old song. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You see, today we have this anchor. I, I love water. I love sports. I love to be out in the ocean. I love to deep sea fish. But here's the one thing they tell you. If you're out in the ocean, no matter how big or small your boat is, if a storm comes, you don't try to outrun the storm and you don't try to fight your way through the storm, drop anchor and let the anchor hold you facing the storm and your boat will stay afloat and you will survive the storm and make it home. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is that anchor. And he's a guaranteed anchor that through the storms of life, if you will quit trying to fight the storm and just anchor in Jesus and in his word and in his promises in 219, how many found yourself wore out in 218 trying to fight the storms of life that you could have been anchored in? And if you'd have just anchored in God's promises on forgiveness and on grace and on showing some mercy, on trying to win the battle, the war, not trying to win a fight, and just stayed firm and let anchor hold. Let your anchor hold in this person called Jesus. You would have made it through those storms without spending all the energy that you spent. And I want to challenge you in 219, receive the gift that God has given us that he's a sure anchor. That you can anchor your life into and hold fast and know that no matter what storms of life comes, you're going to make it. You're going to get up and dust yourself off. And you're going to clear that God is still good. And I'm going to win in this battle of life. So what do I do, Pastor? Where do I go from here? I just want to make a really quick challenge to you. How many wants to walk into 219 with a spirit of anticipation? That as we end 218, I want December to be a month that's just going to build this spirit. And that's what we want this series to do. We want it to just build your faith, build your hope, and get ready for 219 to be the best year of your life. And I know we always say that. I don't believe in resolutions. Most of them are lies. We make all these promises that we don't keep. It's like going on a diet. Diets don't work. They make you gain weight when you get off of them. Because you didn't make a lifestyle change. You just made a quick fix. And it's the same way spiritually. We don't want December to just be a fix. We want to help you get ready for a life change. That when we go into 219, things are going to be different. They're going to be different forever. Because we made a change in life. Here's what you can do. Number one is Jesus is a God of first. And so every January we have our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I want to challenge you to be a part of those 21 days that will be life-changing for you. Anything you do for 21 days becomes a habit. And I want to challenge you. We're going to have them here at the church. We're going to have them different locations maybe. They'll be announcing that, but you can do it at home if you can't make it here. But I want you to make those 21 days of prayer and fasting part of your life because it's going to kick off the right foundation for you to have 219 as a successful year. Number two is I want to challenge you to get in a small group. Maybe you're already part of our small groups, maybe you're not, but make 219 a year of relationships. And in February, we will kick off our first semester of small groups. Either lead one or be in one, but don't be isolated out there. Listen, the banana that gets separated from the bunch is going to get peeled. 
When my kids were home, we had bananas. If we laid them out there, they turned black. But if we broke one off and laid it on the counter, it didn't have a chance. One of them's gonna grab it on the way out. That banana's gone, you know what I'm saying? As long as you're part of the cluster, you're safe. But you separate yourself alone, the enemy's gonna snatch you up and he's gonna rip you apart. And so you need to be a part of a small group. In February, we're gonna kick off our freedom small groups. Now, there's gonna be many other to be a part of, but I want every person in this church at some point next year, maybe not the first semester, we don't have room for everybody in one semester. But next year, I want every person to go through a freedom small group. It will change your life those 13 weeks. We just had a bunch of people finish it and they're clapping. If you were part of the freedom group, come on, it'll change your life. It's 13 weeks that will change your life. I promise you, register and be a part. Once we're full, it's closed for that first semester and you'll wait for the next semester. But I wanna tell you, you need to be, it changed my life and freed me from stuff from 12 years old. Get in a small group. Number three, become part of our grow track. If you've not gone through our grow track, every service after our second service, immediately after this service, through the double doors, we have a meal waiting for you and we wanna help you connect with your purpose in life so that you can now go out and make a difference in the lives of others. So I challenge you, if you want 2019 to be a successful year, there's how you can start it and watch the Word of God and the promises of God take place in your life. The next thing is be at this candlelight service. Join us for a night as we end this year. How many wants to end 218 giving Jesus thanks and letting Him know, man, we thank you, we love you, we honor you, and it's gonna be low key, but it's gonna be powerful, it's gonna be life changing, and we're gonna open the door and create an atmosphere that 219 can be ushered in in the presence of Jesus. But here's what I want, don't come by yourself. I don't plan coming by myself. Bring some unchurched people. Bring some people that wouldn't show up with you today for church, but they'll come to a candlelight service and let them know that this is a special time for Christmas and we wanna watch God change hundreds of people's lives before we end this year and move into 219, amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Let me pray for you. Father, today I love you and I thank you, God, in this simple elementary message today. I pray, God, that you open our hearts and understand just how blessed we are to have Jesus in our life. You are amazing. God, I pray, Lord, that through this year we will come back to the simplicity of this message, that we don't forget the simple gifts that you have promised us every day. God, your promises. God, that your love is real. Father, that you accept us as we are. God, that you're an anchor that we can hold on to through the storms of life. You've given us these gifts, God, that, Lord, oftentimes we leave under the tree and we haven't opened. But, Lord, I pray that this year will be a year that we open them and we receive them and we begin to walk them out, Father. And so, Lord, I pray right now for this body that it will be a body, Lord, that's blessed and highly favored in you. And maybe right now you're here and you say, Pastor Dan, I... I'm I'm at that beginning stage right now. Someone invited me to come or I saw you online or whatever, but I'm here. And I want to join those that raise their hands as four people accepted Christ this morning in the first service. Maybe you're here and you go, I'm not a bad person. I'm just not in a good place right now spiritually. And I need to recommit my life to Christ or I need to commit my life to Christ for the first time, but I need to make a decision today. I need Jesus in my life. And I just want you to pray a prayer for me. I promise you I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to pray a prayer for you. And if that's you right now, would you just lift a hand right where you sit? You say, I need Jesus in my life today, Pastor. I'm not where I am, where I need to be with him. Things have happened in my life. And I need Jesus in my life today. Pray for me. Is there one that would join these that have already prayed today? God bless you.
God bless you. Anyone else, you'll say, that's me. Pray for me. Maybe online, you need to pray this prayer with us today. Church, will you pray with me so these people don't feel alone? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come to you. I confess. I believe and I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. According to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these that pray today. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.